around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the greatest discovery, a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. <laughs> so, I don't, I mean, I don't, how much behind the scenes on what today has represented do we want to go into? Because I think it's kind of a spoiler, depending on who's listening. Uh, I think it's a format-breaking episode, so I think we can feel free to explore the space. Yeah. Well, if you're if you like really hang on every twist and turn of the gr- game of buttholes on the Greatest Generation, maybe skip thirty, you know, five or six times. But Adam and I both just recorded an episode in the bathtub together. I mean, we weren't in the same bathtub together. <laughs> I mean, not Damn. that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, that is not what we did. We we recorded remotely, remote tubbin, remote tubbin. Uh, we we hit a naked now square, so we've been we've been soaking, and I uh, I feel a little bit uh, a little bit dazed, having been in hot water for like almost two hours. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I'm incredibly tired, but on the other, my skin is incredibly smooth. I'm really enjoying having a frozen cocktail beverage right now, and especially glad to be sharing one with our buddy Rob Schulte, who is here with me in Los Angeles. Wow. I'm having a great time. This <laughs> wow. drink is amazing. Is that one of your famous uh, in a bag? Yeah. I freeze it in a Ziploc bag overnight. Yeah. My mind was blown. <laughs> I asked Rob if he wanted a drink, and he's like, sure. And then I went in my freezer and pulled out a, a brown Ziploc bag, and his, his face fell. <laughs> <laughs> ben, it's not that kind of party. How careful did you have to be to pull out that brown Ziploc bag versus the other brown Ziploc bags you have in that freezer? They are all well labeled, my friend. Right. <laughs> it's a real mind hunter situation over there. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> uh, but Rob is here in LA because what? Do you, can we talk about what you're working on? Can we? Is it? It's something to do with America. People yeah, know it that. Is. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I think it's fair to say at this point, uh, we are working on a podcast for yes. And you're going to meet Saget. I am going to meet Saget. Fuck. Um, what about Dave Coulier? Are you going to meet Coulier? Actually, I want to take this back a second. Sorry, contract is not signed yet. Oh. You know what's just great about, about that, that, Rob, is that you're editing this episode. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we can ju- you could just beep out the brand name. Yeah. And then Saget and Saget Coulier could, could lead anything. Could lead in a lot of different directions. <laughs> the official f- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Another beep, and people are going to be dying to know what it was. <laughs> you finally get to use that. Have you ever sucked dick for Coke line? <laughs> <laughs> that you've always wanted to use on our mainline show and never have. Now that's an addiction, man. The only thing I've ever wanted to do on this show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're also, uh, I'm sure, recording some more episodes of your own I podcast. Am. I am. We are recording another episode of Scream for Pumpkin Spice Podcast. Yeah, uh, of, of which I was a guest. You were. That's a good get. It is a good get, but we also had another good get last season with you, Adam. I was very pleased with that episode hey so was i if you're a fan of what rob does on our show maybe check out his show pumpkin spice podcast 
Are you also doing TV show show stuff? Uh, yeah, TV show show is in its uh, second season right now, and they will be overlapping. And as one ends, another begins. Wow. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about how Pumpkin Spice podcast works. Uh, so my friend Brittany and I watch one series of a horror film every pumpkin spice latte season <laughs> and so that starts uh, earlier and earlier every, every year. year i had to throw up an apology episode next no. year it'll be june <laughs> it's like the podcast never ends yeah uh, you and i recorded an episode of scream yes. with Brittany. it was it was scream one which yeah. I'd, I'd never actually seen all the way through and i really appreciate that you took the time to sit through uh Young Ulrich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't really feel like I even knew what Skeet Ulrich was, but now I do. Yeah. Uh, A lot of ribbed t-shirts in that in that movie. <laughs> it's not the only thing that's ribbed in that movie. Yeah. Ooh. Everything, everything is for her pleasure. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, and I really, really appreciate you being on it. Um, we're going to do an episode with Tim Barnes coming oh, cool. up while I'm here, and uh, he's now a writer for all that. And so it's Damn. been really fun to revisit my childhood through <laughs> scary movies and comedy. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, what movie did you do on Pumpkin Spice, Adam? Uh, I did a Children of the Corn sequel. I, was it the fifth one? Uh, I think it was six. Oh, yeah. And it's when we decided we needed to just chop off the limb. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad, bad movie. Brittany and I had to put an end to that season because they released a Children of the Corn movie while we were putting out that during. season. Yeah, during. <laughs> what terrible wow. luck. Sort of like uh, sort of like deciding to make a Star Trek podcast and then finding out years later that they will continue making Star Trek programming. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so we thought we'd have you on, Rob, because uh, we came up with the idea of doing a Q&A episode. This was... Uh, this was a, an episode where Adam and I were really racking our brains of what to do what to do this week on The Greatest <laughs> Discovery. You know you've and, hit uh, rock bottom as a podcast when you start doing the Q&A episode. <laughs> Let's throw it to the fans. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you have gathered, I'm led to believe, a number of questions that people submitted on various social media platforms. I have. And I have. Uh, you want to... And, and I think some of these are... Uh, for me, some for Adam, some for you, some for all three of us. Uh, so should we get into this? Let's do it. I want to say off top, though, that there were repeat questions. I couldn't answer every question. I couldn't gather every question. Yeah. But I think there's some about three spaces that we could cover a lot of questions. Yeah. I noticed a lot of very adventurous misuse or disregard of our request to use the hashtag. Mm. Yes. <laughs> like, hey, we we pretty specifically said use the hashtag STGD, and you're just replying to this tweet. Yes. These people are never going to win a contest if they can't follow rules. <laughs> yeah. This is how social media works, people. It's okay. We all learn. But if you did get a question answered on this episode, we're going to send you a uh, bag of personal-sized Mars bars or something. <laughs> a second greatest gen tour t-shirt <laughs> in size 4XL that we didn't sell. <laughs> the one we put up that's sun-bleached. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's differentiate for people what a drop is, an interstitial, and a segment. Uh, let's see. So 
I have we have three folders in our shared Dropbox that are one is music, one is sound effects, and one is drops. And I don't think that we use those terms super scientifically, but I think of a drop as being something that is synthesized from several different sources. Yeah, something that we've produced. Right. So like the Miles O'Brien drop that you hear on Greatest Gen, and you could just drop it in right here. I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. Is a drop that Adam made for some of the time when when O'Brien shows up in an episode. We like to drop that in. And I think that's as distinct from a sound effect, which we might use to like, you know, you know, like a cartoon timpani or a uh, <laughs> or torpedoes. Right. Uh, so those are those would tend to be sound effects. Interstitials are like the little clips of music that we kind of bump from segment to segment. Kind of like this. Yeah. And now here here in this new segment, because you just heard an interstitial, this is the next segment of the show. Uh, but like, I would say Drunk Shimoda is a segment. Uh, the Marin is a segment. More than those being like real terms of art, like there are terms of art just between the three of us, because when we're talking about the show, like we know what we're talking about. Uh, and that's just like more an emergent property of how we talk about uh, the production of the show than us knowing anything in particular about radio production. Absolutely. I, I think Rob knows more <laughs> about radio production than Adam and I put together. <laughs> yeah, completely. Rob is famously the producer and editor of Greatest Discovery and Friendly Fire, but Ben and I continue to edit Greatest Gen. And uh, I know Ben and I begin with a templatized version of the show, like all of the interstitials are are basically 10 minutes apart in a sequence, in like a blank sequence that personally I'll open and start working with. I don't know if, Ben, you work that way too, and then we'll just drop in the raw audio onto a couple of tracks and then start cutting from there. Uh, Rob, do you like grab effects and interstitials from the well, or are you starting with the template also? Uh, I usually start with the template. Uh, and that started actually with Friendly Fire, mm-hmm. um, because before I was working on Disco, I yeah. was working on Friendly Fire. I think Discovery came out first, but Friendly Fire yep. is actually an older project, because yeah. we started in like March of 2017, and it took a wow. really long time for us to actually get around to launching that show. For sure. And so, yeah, I've found it much easier to, uh, within my digital audio workspace, to have something set. Because much like anything else, like if you're halfway there, you can build upon what you've already created. So yeah. if I know that usually a break comes here or the right. music comes in here, it just makes my process easier in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> uh, That might be a good segue into a question we get a lot, which is like, what software do you use and what hardware do you use to make the, the show happen? And I know all of us are using Adobe Audition. This is not uh, sponsored content. This is just sort of like the industry standard software, I feel like. Uh, yeah. for most professional shows. Yeah, I think it's Audition or Hindenburg is the other one that I hear a lot. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people getting started uh, work with Audacity or, or GarageBand yep. because they're free. Um, and I think that they're probably fine for, I mean, I think we could probably make what we make with those. Yeah, I think it would take a little bit longer just given 
what those products can do. Yeah. But I started with those. That's how I was teaching myself before I took it to the next level. It was our familiarity with the with Adobe Premiere that made Audition attractive to me and Ben. And Ben, I don't know if you know this, but I think the very first episode of Greatest Gen was edited in Premiere. Damn. Oh, because wow. that was the software that I understood. Like, I can work with audio files in Premiere, so, like, I just did all the cutting and transitions yeah. and all of that in there, and then I just output as an MP3. I think uh, I either did my, like, classic passive-aggressive Ben shaming or... <laughs> uh, or uh, sung the virtues of audition to you just as as like a better workflow for just audio yeah no i mean and you were right obviously uh that um, was an idiotic way to edit a <laughs> podcast but no but i knew i used to know a guy that would make like mix cds in final cut pro wow so like and he would you know he would do he would do 70 minutes of like dj mixed audio where he's like he's like beat matching and and cross mixing wow. and like and like layering in sound effects and stuff and he would do the whole thing just in the lower half of the final cut pro timeline <laughs> that's great so it's that is not unprecedented by any means that's great it's like the circuit bending of <laughs> audio production yeah. yeah um i would also just like to suggest that if anyone is actually or they're asking these questions because they're looking to get into podcasting yeah that one of the best things i ever did was uh I started a radio club in Kansas, or it was more of a podcasting club, just people sharing their ideas and what they've been listening to. Yeah. Um, but then when I moved to New York, I went to an official New York radio club, which is where we met, Ben. Yeah. I mean, it was only official in so far as sure. a lot of people were part of it. Yeah. Not four people in Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I started going to that because I was, I had just started uh, my podcast, Let's Drink About It. And a friend of mine was thinking about getting into radio and he'd heard about it and he invited me to tag along. And I really liked it because I think that un unlike the film career I was experiencing in New York, where it was very competitive and people were a little protective of status and didn't necessarily go out of their way to support each other. I really liked that the radio club in Brooklyn was about like, hey, like, let me play you a radio piece I've been working on or a bit of my podcast and then get like constructive, supportive feedback yeah. from people who are really good at this and can tell me the right direction to take it. And I, uh, I really needed that in my creative life at that time. As did I. Uh, so I I thought that was great. And if your town has that, like maybe look on like meetup.com or something like that uh, just to see if see if it's out there um, because uh, there are other people wherever you are that are looking to, to do it and uh, and they can they can help you get going in the right direction. And just to add on top of that, if you're struggling to find something like that, Try and go to your local library because yeah. they will facilitate that. Yeah, they really want that to be. Yeah, like like libraries are always looking for cool things to like get people to gather in and and do so. And more and more, they've got studios being built inside of them. Yeah, absolutely. That's They're really call. gonna help you get the tech angle figured. But I think the thing that has the thing that really changed the game for me and Ben, and I think the thing that is not replaceable or reproducible is like find a friend to do a show with 
Mm, yeah. You know, don't just seek out a a professional contact to do your show. Find someone that you actually have rapport with and that you like right. because podcasts are long-term projects. And yeah. you need to be able to exist with someone for a long time. <laughs> yeah, you have to be excited to to heat the mic up each week. Yeah, there's so like I think very few people consider that when they when they construct a creative project at all, let alone a creative project that can last years the way podcasts do. For sure. Um, would you guys like to get into the directed questions from viewers? Yeah, yeah let's do it. All right, let's go to Marianne Moss at uh, Kira Chan 3. Marianne says, if y'all's dogs were in Starfleet, what <laughs> rank and branch would they be in? <laughs> hmm. Uh, I think Darwin would be whatever rank Chief O'Brien is. So I guess that's Chief yeah. Master Chief. He's an enlisted yeah. man. Yeah. Darwin's not in charge of anything, <laughs> but he thinks he is. <laughs> I think Sprocket would have a hard time uh, being in a position where he couldn't see out a screen or a window. He's very curious <laughs> like that. And so I think I think he'd have to be on the bridge crew or he'd have to work in 10 forward. Oh, man. He wow. could be like an ensign that works in works ops, right. I feel like. Yeah. Well, uh, Clive is definitely retired, <laughs> and is getting glasses as a gift. Clive could be oldest living ensign. <laughs> yeah. He could be the Seymour Castle of, uh, of Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> Damien Cully's got a very fun question. What podcasts do you listen to? All right, I want to lay down a ground rule for the answering this Uh right up front which is let's not say any other max fun shows like let's take them those off yeah. the table let's assume that max fun shows are are part of the yeah. are part of the deal i will call out some indie podcasts that i really like uh one is after these messages which is uh hosted by our friends andrew and genevieve and they um they talk about tv commercials but they like they come up with different themes for each episode and talk about you know what makes a commercial great what makes it crappy and uh and they're uh really charming and fun i'll call out uh retail nightmares i I like that show too ben which i really like that is alicia tobin and jessica delisle and they talk about uh working in retail and they have on like guests who are you know stand-up comedians or musicians or people who work in the arts but have a have a you know, a full-time retail job to support themselves. And they talk about what indignities they are made to suffer uh, because of that. And it's... Oh, that uh, would give me some PTSD. (laughs) (laughs) I think you would be a great guest on that show, Adam. All right. Oh, yeah. I've got some stories. And they're close by. They're in Vancouver, Canada. We've never been detained at that border, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Never. Uh, Thirdly, and, and, uh, and most belovedly, Carb Face. Oh, which is uh, my close personal friend, shit food blogger. And uh, this goes to Lori Wolliver, kind of the punk rock food podcast, I guess. Yeah, um, shit food blogger answered a question that I was mulling over the other day, and it was the difference between uh, a dip and a dunk. Mm. And it was very well thought out. So definitely follow him for those sorts of thoughts. And listen to that pod. It's great. Mm. It's a fun pod. Good stuff. What about you, Adam? Uh, my tastes are are sadly more mainstream. Uh, I think yours are cooler, being that they're indie, obviously. 
I don't think we've made any secret that we both really love Doughboys, and that I would say is the one that as soon as it drops, I listen to immediately. Uh, but th- some of the more like esoteric and weird shows that I like are uh have you either of you guys listened to duty calls with doug mann no. it, it was a comedy podcast that has been mothballed at this point because uh the hosts of the show like are are comedy writers but it is a show where they invite a guest to talk about their most embarrassing shit story <laughs> <laughs> and they're and they have had great guests like like celebrity guests have gone on the show to tell their their awful stories of like shitting their wow. pants or like a bad bathroom experience or whatever. Like it is a very funny show. It's very relevant to your interests. <laughs> very confidential in a fun way. I don't have any shit stories. Mine are too numerous and <laughs> and similar. Every call is a close call. Yeah, every happy family is happy in the same way, and every unhappy shit is... Yeah, I think I really, like, if I look at my pod feed, the thing that stands out as a pattern to me is, like, I really like hearing two professionals talk to each other. So, like, I listen to that DGA podcast, the Directors Guild podcast, where, like, two directors will just talk to each other about a movie that they've just put out. Or uh, I really like the Pete Holmes show, Uh, like where two comics talk to each other. I really like those. Uh, Stuff like that. Like, I really like inside baseball type of programming uh, as a genre. I know we said no Max Fun podcast, but that's what I really love about the Jackie and Laurie show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I love that it's like two comics talking to each other and then it's the same two comics the next week. Yeah. So they can be like, hey, like that that bit that I've been working on and I've been telling you about, I finally like cracked it and I, I now have like like a great tag for the end of it and I'm using it as a closer now. And it's like, it's so interesting to hear like the evolution of, of what they work on from week to week yeah. for that reason. Yeah, I really like that. Very cool. What about you, Rob? Any, any faves? Um, I also am a immediate Doughboys listener, a uh, high and mighty listener. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if we go on the indie side of things, I enjoy listening to the Ass Jams podcast. <laughs> that sounds a little bit like duty calls. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's your standard, uh, you know, like you were saying, Adam, two creatives talking with one another, except they're both Kansas City DJs. Oh, is that wow. from the Shart Network with the Duty Calls podcast? Uh, I don't know. That's a fun one. Um, but let's move on to the next one. How about this? Yeah. Uh, Craig Beatty. Craig asks, in the stage show of your lives, which Trek actor would play each of you, and who would Dark Materia get to sing the intro? Wow. Fuck. I want to pick Anson Mount. Wow. For yourself? Yeah, for me. (laughs) I'm treating this as like a fantasy draft. Like, I I, I want to get to him first if I have the first pick. (laughs) Okay, then I have peace to. (laughs) All right. Strong choices. Who would uh, Dark Materia get to sing the intro? Mm, E-40. Rick Ross. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving into the Reddit world... Uh, Big Brother's Rule asks, Star Trek predicted many pieces of tech like iPads, FaceTime, and Alexa. (laughs) Which technology do you think is next to become a reality? I think the thing that we've seen in Star Trek that is most likely to come true is World War III. (laughs) (laughs) And the destruction of our society uh, ahead of meeting the Vulcans on First Contact Day. Yeah, wow. Fuck. Sorry. (laughs) But that, <laughs> I think we got to do that first. 
I unfortunately agree. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Robs? You got to have something more positive than that. Probably the replicator because clothes are annoying to shop for. That would fix everything. I think you could avoid the third world war if replicator technology existed, right? Our friend Manu Sadia wrote an entire book about that. Wow. Like the idea of the cost of producing a good going down to zero and what that would mean for a society. If food and things weren't weren't costly, like would we have any reason to have politics of any kind? Like would we need to like assert ourselves over anyone else? Rich people would have to develop a personality <laughs> or a set of understandable values <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately rich people aren't abundant enough to be the endless resource that we can all eat right yeah i mean if if the replicators could be powered by the rich then mm. that's yeah. a fair trade yeah replicators cool. only work during the purge right <laughs> right all right cyril Akhtar says do you ever watch trek for fun these days uh not for the pod and if so which series and episodes do you frequent more? Wow. That is a great question. I definitely, I, I have a very vivid memory of early in the project of Greatest Gen when we were recording, when we were releasing two episodes a week, which was bonkers because Adam and I both worked full time. I mean, I think that the edits have take have gotten a little bit more extravagant since we moved to one a week, but... They've always taken a long time, yeah. and sometimes they take 10, 12 hours, you know? Yeah. Like, you're lucky if you get away with eight hours on an edit. And I mentioned to Adam one time when, when we were still on TNG and doing two a week that uh, that I was, like, watching an episode of Voyager for fun, and he was like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. <laughs> Leave some Trek on the bone, why don't you? <laughs> and I think that that pretty much stopped me in my tracks. And I like more because he made me realize like I I'm do great need at to, talking like, people out of a fun thing. <laughs> that sounds like no, me. but <laughs> but I think that like I do genuinely get enjoyment out of watching these episodes for the show. And like I was still kind of in the habit of just like put it on in the background for funsies for almost any reason back then. And and I realized like if we're gonna if we're going to be doing this project for a few years, I need to like, I need to like respect the the power of this thing. <laughs> you know, I guess the answer is that I don't really watch it when I'm not watching it for the show anymore. Yeah, me neither. I would say the, the thing that I still enjoy are the films and I watch those for fun. And Ben, you even flew up to watch Star Trek six with me in 70 millimeter at the Cinerama, like I still get a great amount of joy from watching the films, but recreationally, I I really don't watch the episodes anymore. I will say, like uh, they there were episodes of Star Trek Discovery on like Delta Seatback TVs for a while there, and I would occasionally rewatch an episode of Disco. I really I sincerely like that show enough to watch it recreationally. Yeah. But I don't go back to TNG and watch it like I used to, and I, and I certainly don't watch DS9 for any other reason but the show. And that's not to say that I don't like it. It's just part of the work, you know? It is a weird thing to turn your fun into your work, and a tricky balance to strike. And I think everybody would have a different approach to 
it's not the first time that that's happened in my life either. Like I turned a hobby outside of my square job into a video production career. And then the same thing happened with podcasts. Like on top of the video production, I started doing podcasting for fun. And then that turned into a career. Uh, This person had a follow-up question and it was how, how has friendly fire influenced the greatest generation and the greatest discovery? I think we've definitely like learned a lot watching movies and and talking them over with John for Friendly Fire that I've, you know, I, I think like my worldview is developed uh, because of that show. I can't help but bring my worldview to our conversations on Greatest Gen and Greatest Discovery. I don't know. What do you think, Adam? I think I was mentioning this to you, I don't know, like last week or something, but Greatest Gen feels like therapy and Friendly Fire feels like college class, <laughs> but like my favorite college class. It's... Friendly Fire uh, is challenging because it makes me want to rise to the level of, like, the other people in that conversation. Is Friendly Fire your favorite college class with your really cool professor and one annoying student that always wants to talk? And and his TA that I just can't stand? Yeah. <laughs> ben, you're one of the smartest people I know, and that's not to say that Greatest Gen... Uh, isn't capable of providing that challenge, but it's just a different challenge. Like it's a comedy challenge versus a intellectual challenge. I think they're a little bit different that way. And I think uh, I think Friendly Fire asks more of me because I'm I feel like uh, I feel better suited to to joke about something than to talk seriously about a thing. And a war movie asks you to take some things pretty seriously. Yeah, I always do a lot more like reading in advance of a Friendly Fire episode. And we record that show on Tuesday morning at like 10 a.m. And I'm always like walking the dog and like looking at my watch and it's like 9.15. And I'm like, fuck, I need to get home and start hitting the books. <laughs> like <laughs> I am I am slipping right now. I always feel slow for that show because 10 a.m. just isn't a, a sharp time for me. Yeah, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. But... <laughs> We haven't learned anything from years of this. Why are people asking us for advice? (laughs) Friendly Fire is like my online class. Yeah, yeah. I learn through doing. Uh, Nick Conti on Facebook wanted to know what my story was, and I kind of feel like we've already explained how I started, how I met you, Ben. Yeah, we met in the Brooklyn Radio Club. Yep. And I think that I, I have a very vivid memory of hearing... Uh, on the Mike Sachs podcast. Was it just called the Mike Sachs podcast? Uh, that one at the time was called Doing It With Mike Sachs. Doing It With Mike Sachs, right. Uh, I remember he ended like the third episode with like, somebody better hire Rob because uh, <laughs> he's great and and uh, I'm worried. <laughs> and uh, and I, didn't, I was in no position to hire anybody at that point because... Uh, you know, Greatest Gen was just kind of getting an audience. and Rob was in uh, no position to pass a drug test, so that's fine. <laughs> that right. is also yep. true. And the Uxbridge Motor Corporation takes uh, issues of drug use very seriously. Yeah. But um, I ran into Rob. It was Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think it was like maybe 2016. Yeah, it was my first year. Thanksgiving 2016. And Rob happened to move into the building next door to my best friend who we went over to their place for Thanksgiving uh, that year and I was like I think outside like hailing a cab or something and Rob was 
just standing on the sidewalk, I guess, uh, turning tricks or something. Pretty much. And uh, I was like, hey, Rob Schulte from Radio Club and the guy that makes the thing with Mike Sachs. Uh, I am working on a, a new podcast with my friends called Friendly Fire. Would you be interested in talking to us about like becoming the producer and editor of that? And you said, sure, you know where to find me. Yeah. From my perspective, the thing that made me really want to work with Rob was that I heard him doing great work with uh, with Mike Sachs on that show. And then when we sent him some raw audio for Friendly Fire, he turned it into a, a real podcast. Like, it came back and it was, like, perfect. And we were like, fuck, wow. we, don't, we don't deserve that. And then when we started this show, you, like, listened to Greatest Jan a Bunch and, like, did your homework and we sent you audio for the first Greatest Discovery episode and it came back and it was, like, an episode of Greatest Gen, but about a new show, and you made it sound like what we would have done if we were editing it, and that was like really compelling. Like it was like, oh, this is like this was the right person to partner with. Well, first of all, uh, thanks. That's great <laughs> because I was really like, I don't think desperate's the right word, but at the time I was new to New York. Yeah, you know, and so it was wonderful to just see a familiar face who wanted someone to help with a project you know someone who i respected and liked and like my trek history isn't as solid as your guys's but that's what made working on disco fun you know i i essentially i wanted a reason to go back and listen to greatest generation (laughs) because i didn't know where to start at that point yeah so that's really great to hear and Adam, I'm glad you trusted Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it was a lot of just taking it on faith because you guys already had a thing. And Ben said, I think we need to trust this guy. He's good. He's an ace guy. And uh, Ben's word is good enough for me. It really is. It turned out great. We're really glad to have you a part of this project. We brought you under friendly fire because we knew that John wasn't going to help with editing at all, and that if Adam and I had to do that on top of Greatest Gen, we were going to kill each other and John. So. Yeah. <laughs> I have a quick little anecdote. When you, we had been working on Friendly Fire, there was probably five or six episodes in the can of raw audio, and uh, I was working a pretty terrible situation freelance gig at, and you called me and you were like. I don't know if you know this, but there's going to be a new Star Trek, a new Star Trek podcast. <laughs> and would you be willing to jump on and help us with that too? It'll probably come out before Friendly Fire. Yeah. And I said, yes, absolutely. And I went in and I told them, hey, I think I'm done with my permalance position here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And it felt good. Wow. (laughs) That very day. I don't think we paid you adequately at the beginning, but I'm really glad that we've gotten to a place where we're actually like remunerating you for (laughs) for all of the skill that you bring to the show. From Reddit, Dean Spirit Measures, I really love your concept of Star Trek as a place, Mm. and I often find myself using it now to talk to people about the show's enduring popularity. If you could pitch another new show in this Trek renaissance, what would the concept be? Oh, cool. What's something you really want to see in Trek, um, but hasn't been done yet? Well, I know you and I have batted back and forth the idea of a lower deck series, and that's not an idea unique to Ben and I, but the fact that that is in production and coming out, I think, speaks to 
what a great amount of raw materials exist in that kind of story. That's such a huge well for comedy too. Like we talk, yeah. we talk on our mainline show a lot about what might be happening concurrently with the story as it's happening, and I, yeah. I'm very excited to see what they end up doing with a concept like that as it as it comes out. Yeah, I kind of feel like maybe for the first time there is Star Trek being made that really understands that as a principle, even if they don't use that exact terminology. Mm-hmm. Like, when you hear the writer's room people from DS9, you know, like the guy that looks like he's been tossing the Blue Man Group salad and all those other people, they, like, kind of talk about it as though they were being constrained by the universe that they were writing in. It's like they're, like, fighting against it in some ways. And I think DS9 is a great show, and I think that, like, creative constraints, like, lead to great art in a lot of ways and i think that they made great art in doing so but i think that the new shows are like saying okay assuming star trek is a place what are some other kinds of things that could happen in that place the idea of we can't do another monster of the week adventure show without getting the ship super far outside of the of the main timeline uh with voyager you know, like that, that, I feel like that's an artifact of the time when that show was made and setting a detective show or a spy show or a comedy or, uh, you know, a legal drama in the Star Trek world is like all of those ideas fascinate me and I want to watch all of those shows, you know? Right. Hospital procedural. Right. I think taken as given the set of assumptions that like we're in a post-scarcity future we're in a utopian society that interacts with like sometimes hostile sometimes benevolent aliens and we can you know travel across the galaxy faster than the speed of light like what kind of what what kind of interesting things can happen within that world and there's like the the possibilities are really endless i think the picard show is going to offer a lot of opportunities to play in the sandbox the sandbox of star trek is a place because clearly from what we've seen the picard character will interact both with federation and outside federation people yeah and and what does what does the future hold for people in and out of that it's something we don't really see outside of the federation very often in star trek not for long amounts of time anyway yeah so it'll be nice to live with them a while I think a lot about the uh, the movie executive and Barton Fink. That's like I think he's like on the phone and he's talking about like we got a boxing picture, a war picture, a Bible picture. Like he's like yeah, talking yeah. about the different kinds of movies he he's working on, and the idea of the universe being a place. Like you could set a boxing picture in Star Trek. You could set a war picture in Star Trek. A Bible picture in Star Trek. Like what would that mean? Like right. it's it's a world that transcends its genre. So you could set subgenres within it. And I think that that's what we are fascinated with. And I think that like the show does it from time to time by having there be a super genre-y kind of episode within the world. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what's coming for sure. On Twitter, NVIDIAM23 asks, <laughs> would you rather fight one Ferengi-sized Tribble or 100 Tribble-sized Ferengi? I mean, is the question asking 
what would be easier to defeat or just a like because i'm reading it as as who would you rather fight just irrespective of whether or not you wanted to win the fight for me it's definitely one ferengi sized tribble it would be like fighting a love sack it'd be great yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and if you beat it then it's like a like a cool beanbag chair that you could use in your apartment yeah you know i think that's the answer okay well uh batgore johnson asks one of the funniest bits was when Adam and Ben randomly asked me to provide a synopsis for the Tony Todd horror classic Candyman. <laughs> what episode or episodes of Trek would you consider the scariest? And any chance of a Halloween episode? Oh, man. Uh, we just got asked to go on on that horror podcast, uh, the Sci-Fi Wire horror podcast, to talk about the scariest episodes of TNG. And and they, I, th- I think specifically are the Borg episodes, because they use a lot of horror tropes in those episodes. But I think that that episode of TNG where Doctor Crusher's like losing characters is really scary. Oh yeah, remember me. I really like that episode. It's corny, but it's like, it's it's good scary fun. Yeah, that's one of my favorite eps. I think Night Terrors is the scariest ep of TNG for me, for my money. Oh, is that the one where they get schismed? That's the one where they stop experiencing REM sleep and they start going crazier and they they find that ship where the other crew all killed each other. Oh, the one where they get schismed is called schisms. Right, obviously. That one's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. I think what we established last year was that Wrath of Khan is the horror movie. Yeah, there's there's a lot of horror tropes in that. Yeah. Before we move on from this question, because this is a Star Trek Discovery podcast, uh, what do you think is the scariest Discovery episode? I think it's probably that one with the Ba'ul, right? That was really scary. The one where Arium is in... Mm-hmm. Is in uh, in control or, or is, is control is uh, really scary. Season two as a season was like really leaned hard into into the dark. Ben Lewis wants to know on the pod as a whole, what are some things that are challenging that people might not appreciate? I know I was saying that I do enjoy watching the show uh, for the show before but like i do occasionally just get into like homework mode where i'm like oh fuck i have to watch this and take notes and it is a different kind of watching than you would uh do if you were just watching for funsies where you have to like watch carefully and take notes and pause and occasionally go back and rewatch something so that um that can occasionally be a challenge it's not it's not every episode like i think one in five episodes i can find myself really struggling to get through but that's tough. And then edit days are always hard for me. I can really feel bogged down if I'm like clipping stuff out of an episode and I look up at the at the timeline and I'm like, fuck, I'm like a four like a quarter of the way through yeah. this edit and I feel like I've been doing this for hours. <laughs> I've started to change my process a little bit just to just to lessen that feeling because um I'll edit the intro and everything after rating the episode so that I feel mm. like it leaves me just the body to edit. And for some reason, that makes it feel like there's less work. If I'm like racing to a conclusion that's already been cut together, Yeah, it makes the day go faster. But 
Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, uh, the edit is the hardest part, but it's also the part where you can turn what may have felt like a low energy episode into something fun and funny. Like you can, yeah. you can really hammer an episode into shape in a productive way. Like we can get each other off the hook with a good edit. Yeah, I really feel like that. And I feel like I more and more am thinking about my edit all week as I'm doing it mm-hmm. and like going back and adding things as I think of them. And I think as, as the podcast has become kind of our central job, it's it's become kind of like my my creative sandbox and, and I think of it in that way. Like yeah. if I think of something that I think you'll think is really funny in an edit, I, I like I'll go back and, and put it in. Like I want you to listen to your QA episode and delight in it. Right. If I can if I can get to that point, that's like that's like the best feeling in the world. It's a nice bit of confirmation to to like We've done hundreds of episodes and that that way of thinking and that way of producing still works. You know, like when we QA an app and we're delighting in someone else's work, like that's that's the best part. That yeah. That is a great feeling and that has not gone away. And I don't think yeah. it will. Like that's that's an organizing principle that we can stick with. That it stays fun is like the main the main goal. Yeah, I would say like the the challenge is like the downside is is like the self care stuff. Like I thought I would be a better boss to myself than I am, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad self boss, and yeah. there are constraints involved in the project that make it so that I'm trying to set up walls where I'm not working on the weekend or I'm not working in evenings. I'm trying to make it more of a regular job thing. I'm and yeah. something that that can give me and you a break, and that is something that we're still learning. I'd say the other side is that like we never thought we were going to be like business partners mm-hmm. and we had to like learn how to do that, you know, in the context of oh this show is like starting to get enough traction that we have to like incorporate and get a accountant and payroll and like think about taxes and stuff and that all became like a big part of our week to week lives and yeah. and I think we are always thinking about how we can like outsource as much of that as possible because neither of us is very interested in that part of it and we would like to just have fun with our friends. We're super <laughs> defensive of that. Like I think we know enough people who have had great projects compromised by the bullshit and the administration and the drama. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think you and I have... I've had that with my own projects. Right. Like, and I never want to deal with it again, where like it turns into acrimony and bitterness because money became a part of a, of a side hustle. Right. And like, one of the th- things I'm proudest of with The Greatest Generation is that we found a way to stay really deeply close friends and also be business partners with each other. Yeah. Agreed. Wobbles on Twitter <laughs> asks if you guys have a favorite drop or a favorite impression. Oh man, really loving the current impression lately. <laughs> that was uh, that was an Adam innovation. <laughs> I that one I feel like is the hardest one for me to do. Even though like you hear Kern in your head and you hear his like 
he has a very specific way of speaking. I've always thought this. I've always thought that Ben was the better impressionist of the two. And I think you're less risk averse than I am about just trying an impression on the show. <laughs> like, I really feel like I need to roll it around a little bit and even hear you do it first before I feel comfortable <laughs> doing an impression. But Kern felt fully formed right away in a way that Uxbridge did too. Like, yeah. I would say my favorite might be Uxbridge because a lot of the impressions are like physically taxing and they're hard to do. Like, like we're yeah. not professional voice actors. So like, <laughs> we're like grinding our our vocal cords to do a lot of these, but Uxbridge is fairly like easy lift and, and fun and funny most of the time because he's just lips. Yeah. I really liked the way my Admiral Necheyev drop came out. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I thought of making a drop for her on the last episode that she ever appears on. That's how it goes and, for us, though, too, right? Like, yeah. people ask for us to give characters drops, and that's just not how it happens. It has to feel inspired. Like, you come up with an idea for it. And, and like, the Necheyev one, I just, like... I, like, I started just searching for like things in the cultural zeitgeist where people talked about canapes. Yeah. And I found that guy from The Godfather saying, canapes my ass into fucking rich cracker with a chopped liver on it or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it just like knocked me back in my chair. And then I, I built a whole like drop a- around it. Admiral Mateo and Valerian canapes. It's Admiral Mateo. Are those Valerian canopies? Admiral Lechev. Well, canopies in my ass. That's a rich cracker and chopped liver. <laughs> like, that right there is, like, what takes a long time in editing an episode is, like, sometimes you will go down a two-hour rabbit hole to make a five-second-long clip. Yeah. Yeah. And for a character that we're never going to see again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh... I wish we were like more George Lucasy, and we just like went back and constantly changed and tweaked our old episodes. This project is so perfectly suited to the way my mind works because like I'm thinking of references to things as we talk. And when I listen to a show for the edit, like my mind is is activated in that way. Like I know I know before I get there what kind of drop I want to use, like what the right. what the line of dialogue from a comedy is that I want to pull out. Like but so many of those end up being dead ends. You think it's gonna be funny in your mind. And I I know personally my hit rate is less than fifty percent on whether the thing that I'm conceiving for a sound effect or a drop is going to work out. Like yeah. Like I've made stuff that didn't make the show for characters because it's just not, it's not good enough or it's not funny in a way that I thought it would be. And like, I think it's good to be a harsh editor that way. Yeah. We've also like been each other's backstop on that. Like, oh, like this, this drop didn't come in in a way that I think it should and would be funny. Yeah. And, and, and like in the, when we listen back to an episode to, to see if it's ready to go, we can often catch something because because you when you do get into the weeds in an edit you don't you do sometimes kind of like lose track of that's a great point like there there have been a lot of times especially lately for whatever reason i think it's because we're just doing a lot of episodes very like we're trying to build up a show runway because we're going to go out on tour and you kind of get blind you get kind of palette shot to your own show and yeah. i know there are episodes that i've handed off to you for qa where i i honestly don't know if it's funny I don't know if there's yeah. anything funny about this at all. 
I find that like that feeling often will will get the biggest pop from you when I have it though. Like I'm the least confident in the shows that you receive the best. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, and I also I don't know if you have this, Adam, but I I notice like when I'm when I've got like an hour of show, I'll like look at the timeline and I'll go like I've put in like 25 drops in the first 30 minutes of this, and then like five drops in the last 30 <laughs> minutes of it. <laughs> And I think it's that same phenomenon of just like, I'm fuck, I've got to fucking get this done. <laughs> when you edit a show and you look at its timeline, like you do get a sense of its uh, symmetry in that way, yeah. you know, and that is something that I do pay attention to in my own sequences. Like I do try to space things out in a way that makes sense. Like you definitely see the, uh, the well filling up with your drops. And I know when I see them fill up too early, I'll, I'll take it easy a bit. <laughs> I always find uh or I have found that statistically people lose their attention every like 6 to 8 minutes. Hmm. So I have that as a running rule that if I don't have a drop around 8 minutes, I should be looking for one soon. Yeah. Unless there's a subject change. Right. Or a movement in the episode. Right. And I just use that as a loose 10 minute be on the lookout if you're not already in it. Cause I do find myself on the greatest discovery, like really focusing on the story. Right. And it, you got to put in rules for yourself to at least yeah. if you're not finding it come to you in those last 20 minutes or something. I thought it was so interesting when you said Adam, that like the music interstitials tend to come every 10 minutes. Cause that's something I don't think we've ever actually talked about, no. but I always am like, okay, the last one was at 17 minutes, so I got to be like looking for where the break is around 27 minutes. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know why that's 10 minutes, but it just has been an emergent property of of the project. That makes me think of another question I've wanted to ask you for a while, but I never have, but like what inspires whether or not you pull a clip from a show in a moment or use a sound effect or or a reference to a movie that you like, like, is there anything that triggers that for you? Is there any governing principle to usage? I would say that a lot of it is recency bias. Like I've been watching a lot of King of the Hill and Seinfeld lately, and I've been using a lot of King of the Hill and Seinfeld in my, in my drops, but there are like maybe five or 10 movies and television shows that are like canonical sources for us yeah and they're like peewee's big adventure the christopher nolan batman films like seinfeld simpsons like when you think of it it's like a lot of shit that came out around the same time as these movies and television shows and they're it's i think partly motivated by nostalgia like but it's it's like the culture we grew up with right basically I think one thing that you and I have felt naturally and unspoken throughout is like technically when we're using lines of dialogue from other things, we're not using the whole animal like and we're not doing that when we pull clips from D from DS9 or TNG either. Like we're we're taking parts of statements to support yeah. statements that you and I are making. And I think that's something that we've never discussed uh, before the project, we we don't talk about how we yeah. harvest dialogue or sound effects, but it's something that we've always felt very similarly about, which is like we don't substitute 
the show for our own statements, we try to hand and glove those two things. Occasionally I'll put in like audio that illustrates my point. Right. And then I'll and then I'll be like, this isn't that funny just to illustrate my own point. Yeah. Like it's much funnier to countermand that point or like take a left turn off of what I what I just said or what you just said. Yeah. And and I think that like my first instinct is not necessarily my best, but like when I when I play it back, I can always I can always think of like the right way to take it, or rely on you to catch me if I'm if I'm being too literal. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's another strength of our partnership is that uh, like we give each other notes on every yeah. show. Rob gets our notes when he edits greatest discovery and friendly fire like and it's not a thing that you ever take personally it's just yeah what makes the show the best i can tell that rob is thinking about the drops in a very similar way yeah. to us and that's and that's really cool yeah well one of the best things of starting both shows was when i was doing my research was that our comedy aligned yeah and although no one will know the really weird drops that I throw in. They get cut. Uh-huh. Um, I want the audience to know that I am much more weird. <laughs> uh, just to cap that one, I want to say that I really enjoyed on The Greatest Discovery creating a drop off of one of your drops, <laughs> which was the uh, uh, my son. Yeah. But it was the one or two episodes that we got a baby yeah. in Greatest Discovery, and I was like, I can't let this pass. That's yeah. great. We were delighted by that. Yeah. Boy, he'll be raised as a son of none. Like I was. My son. Technically, Vulcan Lorel's son. Our son. My name is Denovic. John McLean, or... At JM McLean 33 asks, what's your strategy for going up to... Oh, this is for me. Sorry. What's my strategy for going up to celebrities cold? Mm. Yeah, I was just going to uh, say, get Rob to do it. If you're asking yeah, me or exactly. Ben, that's our strategy. <laughs> uh, it was really just... I used to not be very confident, but when I look at it as a job, that's all it is. Yeah. It's not my fault if they say no. It's not your guys' fault if they say no, but it's just part of the job when i was show running the engadget show that was that was what it was for me mm-hmm. like i every week had to send emails of inquiry and ask famous or prominent people if they would you know give us a half of their day one week and it's never easy to ask something like that but but if it's if it's your job to ask it it makes it a little a little less embarrassing somehow. <laughs> yep. And uh, and definitely when we were at the convention this year, we were just like, Rob, go get 10 people. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but I also need those guidelines, you know, because I could circle and question myself on who's the right guest because if they say yes. But if it's really just like, you think you can get like 10 to 15 folks? Yeah. Like, sure. That makes it so much easier. This person says no, this person says yes. Yeah. Mary Chifo almost said yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Chifo's manager said no, right? Yeah. I am worried about the people who said yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be on some alt-right podcast and not even realize. Well, there was only like two of us, and the other guy asking had like a red hat on, but he yeah. was probably fine. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. We've only got a couple left, guys. All right, let's do two more. Okay. 
Well, this one was directed to me, and it was if I ever wanted to sit in as a third chair, and here I am. There and it's you been are. a great experience, guys. Uh, this is We'll do it again in another six years. Yeah. <laughs> but finally, Boats with two S's has asked, who has the biggest hog in the Trek universe? <sighs> and do the math however you would like. Yeah, do you add up double hog, or do you count one of the hogs? I think you have to account for cumulative length. Fuck, really? And I think in that way, it has to be a Klingon, right? I still think it's Zephram Cochran. (laughs) Even accounting for cumulative length, I think Zephram Cochran has a crank. What? (laughs) He's such a drunk, though. You know he's got whiskey crank. I don't think he could get it up, but I think like if you threw him in a room and denied him alcohol for two weeks after he'd withdrawed and everything, he'd just be like... He's hard piping it? Wiffle ball bat. Wow. <laughs> Status. Wow. Full of holes. <laughs> Doesn't make him any more likable as a character. Not after what he did to Lily. No. Mm-mm. He's a dirt for that, but... A lot of guys a lot of guys with big bats are like that, you know? Yeah. Here's where I'm gonna go with this. It I I would argue that a that this person has to be Klingon and this person would have to be to achieve superior length grown in a lab. So my answer is clone of Kalis. Whoa. Because when they brought back the Kalis clone, he had all of the attributes of Kalis, but if you're making him in a lab, you're going to make him superior, superior to everyone in every way physically. So you're going to give him double huge dongs. Kalis has the biggest (laughs) dong. Double dog Kalish Which do I hold when I pee? <laughs> I mean his dongs are long enough to braid. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> Fuck man. Yeah, like he's he's got French braided dongs. Which I guess would involve a third. I guess if you're cloning Kalish, would you give him a third? I'd say if you can give a third, you should give a third. Right. I don't know. I think that's like That'd be like third testicle where it's like interesting but weird. Yeah. And I don't think that that's what they were going for when they were cloning Kalish. Yeah. All right. But that's my answer. What about you, Rob? I think old Jake Sisko (laughs) probably (laughs) has kept himself uh, fit and has continued to grow. Oh, nice. (laughs) He just keeps getting bigger. Yeah. (laughs) Good for him. He's too sad to fuck, though. Well, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a huge hog. Yeah. All right, that's fair. I think we really have that answer surrounded. Do you guys want to see if we have any priority on messages? Oh, yeah. I mean, those are the first listener questions, right? Yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Adam, we have a couple of priority one messages here. Our first one is from Trevi, and it is for... John Jerificus McJonger Pie in the Sky. Or maybe it's MC Jonger Pie in the Sky. I'm not really sure. I guess McJonger would be one word, but MC Jonger. If Jonger's on the one and the twos, he's or on the mic, I guess. He'd have to be yeah. MC. Yeah. Well, anyways, it goes like this. Junge! <laughs> I love woo. And woo is forever. 
I just found out you love Trek 2, and I'm so excited to geek out with you when we chat. Also, happy I could share this fucking awesome show with you. You and it are as cool as Cisco, and I can't wait to get shimoted with you on Malort in Chi-Town or Seattle if you visit. Bring me a bottle. You are now a friend of DeSoto. Wow. You can only get Malort in Chicago, though. Yeah. Well, if John comes to Seattle, John has to bring a bottle. That's right. With with two fists. It's for two-fisted drinkers. It is. Maybe we'll see them on future tour stops. We love Chicago and Seattle. We do. Ben, our second priority one message is for my cheesy busket, <laughs> which is spelled like biscuit except with a U. Wow. And uh, the message is from your cherry tomato. I have a feeling somebody was drunk when they got this free one. Message goes like this. Now when you're asking Ben and Adam to wish your husband a happy 30th birthday, you gotta want to make sure that they know how to tell him you love him. More than Garrick loves lunchtime with Bashir, and appreciate him more than Riker appreciates the computer automatically erases his holodeck history. <laughs> Have the happiest of all birthdays everywhere. Aww. Very nice. That's sweet. Aww. And I think we're actually like pretty close to proximate to uh, Cheesy Biscuit's actual birthday. That never happens. Yeah, well, it doesn't happen on Greatest Gen, but you can actually make it happen on Greatest Discovery. Yeah, if you listen to both shows and you're trying to go for a targeted date birthday message, Greatest Discovery can make that possible. Sure can. Most of the time. Well, if you would like to target somebody, <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> Head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. I have tried... So many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from, what am I gonna have for dinner, to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) What's that, Adam? Are we doing Drunk Shimoda's this episode? Incredible. It's Rob. Yeah. Oh, hi. Thanks, Rob. Thank, yeah. Thanks. You're for, welcome. Thanks for uh, thanks for wrangling all of the questions. Thanks for being yeah, the producer man. of Greatest Discovery. That was like the produceriest thing we've made you do <laughs> in a long time. I guess that and like getting a bunch of people to to say you're listening to the Greatest Discovery at STLV. Started with Mary Wiseman. Yeah. How could it stop there? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a great way to do that job too. Is like, hey, like. Mary Wiseman and uh, all of these other people have done it. Why haven't you, Mary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you guys, though, for real, because this has been a blast being on the show and working for everything that we've done together. Um, anytime. Oh, man. Uh, how do people find your shows? I think the best bet would probably just go to pinkjeansproductions.com. Okay. We have a discussion group, we've got Patreons, we've got everything, but the TV show show and Pumpkin Spice podcast are both under that domain. Yeah. I actually have greenjeansproductions.com, but that's just because I peed my pants. (laughs) Mm. And blue and yellow. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. (laughs) All right, we'll let Rob take it from here. I'll put this in post. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast, hosted by Benjamin Harrison and Adam Pranica. It's produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Friend of DeSoto and YouTube sensation Adam Ragusia. The Greatest Discovery is made possible by the support of our listeners like you. Make sure the show continues by going to MaximumFun.org donate. If you'd like to discuss the show online, please use the hashtag GreatestDiscovery. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR. Adam is at CutForTime. And I'm at Rob K. Schulte. Thanks. We'll see you on the next episode of The Greatest Discovery.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.